Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Youth Perspective Podcast. This podcast aims to offer a fresh perspective on misinformation, youth activism, women empowerment in politics, and discuss current political and social trends. We are on Spotify, RSS, SoundCloud, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. My name is Min Cheong from the Singapore Democratic Party, and I'm your host for today. This episode is organized by Cowed Youth with the support of the Friedrich Norman Foundation. Jules Martin is the head of international regions at the Friedrich Norman Foundation for Freedoms, headquarters in Potsdam, Germany, since July 2020. He was the director of the regional office for Sub-Sahara Africa in Johannesburg from 2016 to 2020. He worked on good governance, democracy, anti-corruption, transparency in public finance, climate change, human rights, LGBTI rights, fake news, and internet freedom, and uh, economic freedom projects. Prior to that, he was the FNF country director in Manila, Philippines, from 2010 to 2016. In 1999, Jules was elected as a representative in the European Parliament, specializing in foreign relations, human rights issues, children's rights, consumer affairs, democracy protection, EU-Asia relations, cross-border health policy and patient rights, EU economic and monetary policies, and EU environmental policy. He also worked in international NGOs, municipal politics, and in youth organizations. Hi, Jules. Welcome to the show. We're now in a period of time where um, the COVID-19 pandemic has upended life as we've always known it. Um, It's changed the way we live, work, do business, um, how we interact with each other, experience the world, how we feel about ourselves. And it's compelled us to rethink status quo. Um, You know, our lifestyles, our systems and structures, um, whether it's social, political, or um, economic. It's inspired adaptive innovation, and it's pushed us out of our comfort zones. It's also made us reevaluate our existence, you know, the meaning of life, the trajectory that we were on before the pandemic happened, and what the future holds. So, you know, in essence, it's really made us stop and think. Um, and in many ways, you know, through this turmoil and through the, the challenges and the uncertainty and the difficulties, um, COVID has revealed some of the problems that have persisted for ages, um, but we've never really had the um, impetus to confront in such a direct way. So, you know, with all that, um, you know, this has been incredibly disruptive to the individual as much as it has been for society. Um, not just on the global uh, you know, scale, but um, in many different microcosms as well, different smaller communities. So and I want to just, um, Jules, um, really nice to meet you and really nice to, to have this conversation with you. I, I just want to pick your brains in exploring the impact that this um, situation has had on, on us on our psyches and on the way we communicate. So, you know, ever since the pandemic, especially earlier on, um, particularly last year, earlier earlier this year, you know, we, we started spending more time at home um, under lockdown conditions. And, you know, some of us, many of us have been isolated from the people that we normally interact with. And, um, you know, some of us are stuck with family members at home. Um, <laughs> we're away from, from work and um, we don't have that much space um, to interact. Um, and so we've had to adjust the new modes of communication where 
how we work and live has changed quite drastically. Um, so how we live, you know, connections are different and how we work, collaboration is now different. Um, and tech has been quite crucial in bridging that gap. So um, I just want to ask, you know, how do you feel this shift in, in dynamic and in, in conditions, um, both within the individual and between uh, individuals and communities? Um, how has it affected the way we communicate? Um, and how do we address some of the challenges that are presented um, by this uh, situation? And how do we um, preserve the positive outcomes? It's, it's, uh, it's, a, fascinating, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, also because I think our views and our evaluation of this is changing uh, continuously. If, if, if we see how we felt about the pandemic you know, a year ago when, when it started now, I think we already see a, a change of, of perspective uh, that we all have. And I'm sure that if we meet again uh, to discuss this in, say, five years' time, uh, our perspective will again be a different one. But it is absolutely clear, as, as, and as you have rightly and eloquently said, uh, it has been incredibly disruptive. And disruptive uh, disruptiveness can be bad. It can also be good, of course, in, in, some, in some ways. Uh, of course, I mean, the first thing one, one always has to say and keep in mind is, is how, how awful it has been for people who have been directly affected, uh, uh, either by losing uh, loved ones or losing their jobs and livelihoods or, or their, their studies being completely uh, uh, disrupted uh, because students couldn't attend university uh, and, and, and all these things. And this, this is on, on, a, on, a, on a very personal level. But on a societal level, it has had uh, a, a, ma a major, major, major impact uh, because people have been thrown back more to their own resources, uh, mm. having to be creative about how they dealt with a lot, with lots of things, uh, how they dealt some, maybe even with food shopping, uh, or uh, yeah, how, how do you survive uh, your family, mm. uh, or. Um, uh, very, very personal things like that people have had to become creative. I think we've discovered fault lines in our societies, so type societies that we thought were pretty well organized. You know, I live here in Germany. People always thought, oh, Germany, wonderfully organized. No, no, everything went wrong. And things are still going wrong in fighting the pandemic and all the consequences of it. Um, and that has been the case in, in, in many supposedly uh, civilized and well-organized societies. We know now that things were not as well-organized as, as we thought they were going to be. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so how, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with crises like these? And I think we are all assuming that this is not the last one. Yeah, this kind of crisis may 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 return, and how do we deal with it next time? Uh, so, so it has been in some ways also a, a maybe horrible, but also quite fascinating social experiment, uh, comparing how different societies have have coped with that, different ways of approaching it. Has one been more successful than than another? You know, the Swedes who started with completely uh, deciding to do absolutely nothing. And thinking that that would work, and now now they're in, in, in big trouble. Other countries being extremely strict, mm. uh, and then they also ended up in big trouble. Uh, so so you you, do, you don't know how to deal with this 
the next time, what I find the most interesting aspect is what does it tell us about people? Um, I, I think this is maybe also a cultural issue and it may be different in different parts of the world. Uh, but um, certainly I was one of those who had a lot of confidence in uh, that the people would understand the seriousness of, of the problem and that uh, you would get across the board a quite serious response. Um, and that has not been the case. Mm. There is a, a, at least a substantial minority of, of people, I think in all societies, who feel that all of, all, all, everything we've been trying to do against the pandemic was exaggerated, uh, uh, was, was an invasion of, of, of civil liberties, of personal rights, mm. uh, uh, and so we've seen a certain degree of selfishness uh, that I had really had not expected. We've seen loads of, of disinformation. Mm. Uh, you know, for, for, for someone who has always felt that the more information you give people, the better decisions they take. Uh, that hasn't been always the case uh, with, the, with the pandemic. So there are some very fundamental issues that we may have to rethink uh, on the basis of this, of this social, social experiment. And I really hope that it does not lead us in the direction uh, that the, the big solution is to become, uh, to become more autocratic, uh, that you cannot trust people to take their own decisions because I think that would be the wrong way to go, uh, but there is a risk of that. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because um, at, at least in my lifetime, never has there been a situation where there's been so much of a a push for you know society to to act in a in a, in a really uniform way, um, you know, in accordance with um, certain regulations um, that we are told you know would be beneficial for the greater good um but it's difficult for for people to adapt to that because you know we have each community or each different um microcosm of society has their own ideas um has their own agendas and it's really difficult to to galvanize everyone together um yeah. towards a common goal yeah it has been it has been quite 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 amazing and and also how, how much people dislike central authority and yet they also take their cue from it. Because if, you know, the, the, as an example, some countries were slow in rolling out the idea of wearing mouth caps. Mm. Um, and then it was said, well, you know, we leave it to people themselves. It makes sense to wear them, but we're not going to make it obligatory. And nobody would wear them. Then they were made obligatory and then everybody <laughs> would wear them. And then and then the government would say, well, now we leave it to you whether you want to wear them or not. It's better to wear them, but you don't have to. And whoop, off they went. Mm. Uh, even though it was clear that it would make more sense to continue wearing them. But a very odd phenomenon. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's, it's also interesting that during this time, we have become so much more reliant on technology um, for communication, for interaction. And that comes with obviously, you know, um, its pros and cons. Um, but in which ways have you observed the relationship between humans and tech, um, you know, uh, evolving in this period? And um, what are some of the interesting, uh, you know, learnings or findings 
um, you know, you might have come across. Many fascinating things there. One thing that surprised me is how quickly people managed to adapt mm. to, to, you know, suddenly the whole world was on, on Zoom or the alternatives uh, there were to or are to Zoom. Uh, and and it seemed to it seemed to work. And in the beginning, people, there was also people were fascinated, and they thought, "Well, this is sexy. You know, we can everybody can meet all the time, and we were meeting all the time." And uh, and then at some point, that also turned, and and we discovered that yeah, yeah, you can meet in this two dimensional way all the time, but it is at the end of the day two dimensional. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you don't really interact in the same way as if you would have dinner together or have a mm. drink together or, uh, or even sit in a meeting room uh, together. And, uh, and whereas you know, we, we still tend to say, well, it's better to meet like this than to not meet at all. There are even occasions where you think maybe it's better to not meet at all than to meet in this, <laughs> in this way. So, mm. It has changed and it has completely taken over our lives, uh, and that has been good and it has been has been has been bad. I think some of that will stay with us, mm, uh, mm. Uh, and that may not that may not be bad. You know, without this technology, you and I would not have this conversation now. Yeah. Uh, so so and that's good that we have it. <laughs> uh, uh, but the 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 uh, uh, also something gets lost. Uh, when you replace everything in our office here uh, we have about 14 people and we do a lot in home office also by the way something that has become more of a thing you know, home office mm -hmm. that, that, that is something that will stay which I think is a good thing mm -hmm. um, but um, but but now if we cannot get all all my 14 colleagues together in one room to have a meeting, immediately we say, well, you know, let's do it online instead. Mm. So 13 people will sit in the office behind their screen, you know, five meters away from each other, and one person will sit at home. And that's why we have our meeting online. And and that's a pity. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, most of you could be sitting in the same room. Mm. Uh, um, the technology has has taken over a, a, a lot. I think one aspect that we have to come to grips with is has it made everything also go faster? Yeah. There is, of course, anyway, there was this trend with, with online communications that everything went faster. Uh, you know, from, from the days when people had to send a letter and you mm. had a week to arrive and then a week for a response to arrive. Now you communicate within five minutes, even across the globe. Mm. Uh, and that is that is the trend. So you, you communicate more and everything goes faster and faster and faster and faster. And can you can you keep up with that pace? And is it is it a good thing? I'm not always sure that it is a good thing. Uh, and sometimes it can be, but uh, but sometimes it's it's not. So mm. will that will that stay, or will there be a reaction against that? It could well be. Uh, mm. that, no, no, no. Things are going too fast. We we don't have time to think anymore, and we don't have time to to have a life <laughs> outside our communications. Mm. Uh, you know, you need to be able to do other things. You need to be able to go to to to, to see music, to go out for dinner, and to to, to not be followed around by. An online camera all the time. 
Hmm. I think it's, I mean, I think it's interesting that you brought up this point because um, at the start of the pandemic, I think a lot of us had been forced to slow down um, you know, by not going to the office and partaking in the usual um, routines. Um, and so that was a really interesting period. It was a, it, I think it was a period of um, reflection and um, taking stock of where we were. Um, a lot of companies were also, you know, compelled to change their processes and um, adapt to the, you know, the new normal. Um, and there were companies that were far more technologically ready. Um, they had their systems in place and then there were, you know, companies that fell behind because they didn't have the infrastructure. But um, at the start, we slowed down um, and we had time to think and we had time to, to really sit with ourselves. Um, but then as technology became so much more an integral part of our daily communications, um, things changed. And as you said, um, you know, it sped things up. Now we, we can have a meeting just like that. And there's an expectation that we really adapt to the, te the speed of the, the technology rather than um, have that technology adapt to what we feel is a healthy pace of life. So, you know, where, where it was actually quite a good thing at the start, it's become a little bit, um, maybe even more of a, um, you know, more of a situation where that it's harder for people to separate work and, and personal life. Um, and, and that's really become um, an area where people are experiencing a lot of stress. Um, but also, I think one thing that we need to note is that technology is, is not, um, you know, an entity that everyone can access and, and um, use equally. So, you know, there will be, on the organizational scale, there will be companies that um, have more resources for, um, you know, to, to adapt to technological communication um, and integrate that into their, into their systems, um, but also individuals. Um, technology is, I mean, the fact that we, you know, we both have laptops and we're able to, to chat. Um, and we have the educational qualifications or like the, the experience and the technological know-how to operate systems. Um, this is not something that everyone has access to. Um, so, you know, with tech playing an increasingly important um, and central role in our lives, um, you know, particularly serving the need, um, the very basic human need of, of communication and connection, um, do you see access to technology becoming much more of a right um, than a privilege in this era? And also, how do we address some of the um, uneven playing fields? So, for example, um, the disparity that exists within um, uh, or in the areas of um, socioeconomics um, or even generational, um, the generational realm. So, you know, my parents are not going to be as... Um, tech savvy as, as the people in my generation. So how do we bridge that gap and how do we address, um, you know, like the, you know, you can call it inequity, uh, technological inequity um, in helping, in, in bringing the world closer through technology? This is a hugely important question. You're absolutely right. Uh, because this is, you know, the, if you like, this is the new class system of, mm. of today, who, who can deal with technology and, and who can't. 
And it's partly a generational question. It's partly a, a socioeconomic question. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but there are other aspects to, to it as well. Uh, my, 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 now I work in Germany, but my previous job was in Africa. And that was when the pandemic started. And, and we started to have all our activities online. And, um, and of course, in a place like Africa, you know that the absolute majority of people do not have access. Mm. To, to these technologies. There, of course, there is an increased use now of smartphones, uh, uh, and, and, and that, that, that helps. Uh, but, but still, it is, it, is, it is certainly not the same as it would be in, in Asia, for example, uh, mm. or, or in, in, in Europe, although Europe, I think, is not, not as far as, as, as Asia is. Uh, so, so yes, having access to, to technology is, is something and should there be a right to it. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose in some ways there, there, there should, because nowadays with, without, without access to the internet, you're lost. Yeah. You're lost. There, there, there are simply so many things for which you are simply expected to have that, that access. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nowadays you, you, your, your, your physical address is no longer important. It's your email address that comes. Uh, but I know people who, who still aren't used to using email. You know, they also exist, uh, and that is, uh, it's, it's of course mostly older generations uh, who who cannot be bothered uh, with it. Mm. But also other people simply refuse to 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 join this whole online thing. There are people who are scared. Mm -hmm. of it because they think you know, once what, everything you do online can be seen by people who you really don't want to see what you're doing mm. uh, well, you whether know, it's kind of companies or, 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 or authorities uh, so there is, there is that element people simply do not wish to, to, to be part of it and then there are people who can't afford it and uh, uh, um, uh, yeah and you know, people who simply cannot cope with the with the pace of change mm. uh, that that you get and that that is going to be a, a, a real problem because you on the other side have people especially in the younger generations but not only uh, who, who would like to move forward as fast as possible because they see mm. the fantastic possibilities that it that it offers because you know there are downsides but there are also tremendous upsides uh, to 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 this development and and there is this dichotomy that, that, that's really a problem uh, that that we all have to the, it's a circle that we have to square uh, if difficult as it is um, and and there we need to adapt uh, quickly and and how you do that I mean, partly you do it of course by simply by the fact that it is happening. People have no choice. You 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 have to somehow engage with this process of change, uh, whether, whether you like it or not. On the other hand, uh, maybe those those who like this change should also take into account more the fact that there are other people who cannot, or do not, or do not wish to uh, mm. join join this kind kind of change. Mm. Uh, so, so you need you need. From both sides, you need to know some give and take, I suppose. And you know, I mean, our topic was um, reaching out beyond our bubble. Um, so, and I think 
you know, along the lines of what we just talked about, um, there are even more vulnerable groups that um, may be disenfranchised by this whole movement towards um, communicating using technology. Um, you know, you have the homeless, you have the elderly, as we mentioned before, you know, you've got the jobless or handicapped or even migrant workers, um, all these different groups are not going to be able to equally participate in, you know, the global conversation or even, um, you know, be between their communities as freely as we are able to, um, or some of us are able to. So, you know, like, how do we continue to, to reach out to these groups? And also, um, um, you know, what can we do for them in, in helping them adapt to, to what has become the new normal? It probably starts with, with ourselves and, mm. and and understanding what is happening with with us. And with us, I mean people who who are adapting uh, or perhaps even enjoying uh, uh, these 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 changes. Mm. Uh, so by by realizing that perhaps in some ways it is some kind of an addiction uh, uh, that that we have. It's a it, 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 closes in and, and whereas you know in the, in the past if I would sit in public transport I might just sit and read a newspaper or just sit and think and look at the trees. Now you don't do that as soon as you have nothing to do out comes the mobile phone and you start looking at things. Is there news in newspapers or in WhatsApp or Telegram or whatever, you know, other things. Uh, mm -hmm. so so you it, it, it is a kind of an addiction. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, when, when you try, when you would try to force yourself to, to not use these things for a day, mm. you would see how difficult it is. You think, <laughs> yeah. What, you know, what can I do? Where, where is my phone? Where is my iPad? Where is, mm -hmm. you know? And so you, you, I, I, I think, I think we need to understand what's happening with ourselves. Mm. Uh, uh, because only then can you start imagining uh, uh, how other people uh, deal with this or, or, or feel about it. Uh, and, and, because, and, and then you come to the important step that, mm. that you mentioned, and you are absolutely right. Uh, uh, we have to ensure that, that, that people who, who are, cannot or are not joining this this process still have to stay on board mm. so, so, somehow, um, and so it means that we should be able to recognize that you can possibly live a happy life without your hand being glued to an iPhone. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and 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 somehow reach out, enter that other type of life. Mm. As well, in which you in which you are not dependent on on technology, because only then can you make some useful steps. But it's incredibly difficult to do. Uh, mm. but, but but that is maybe something that that we should learn. The responsibility I think lies with those who are moving ahead, mm. Mm. with those who are staying behind. Yeah, and I mean we all had a bit of a taste of. Um, um, being without our communication or, or, you know, social tools. Just a couple of days ago, I think when Facebook went down. Um, <laughs> and I think that's when we really, you know, things like, like, like uh, you know, situations like these help us, you know, empathize with um, people that don't have the same access to technology. Um, 
but I, and I don't think it was a bad thing for you know for all of us to have experienced some time away from social media. Um, but I think that's also um, it, it. It brings me, I think, to that um, my, my next um, question, which is you know like just the examination of, of the role of social media in, in this in uh, this whole landscape, and um, so you know with um, social media, you know playing more and more of a um, an integral role in our lives, whether we like it or not, and, and whether it's it's our own habits that perpetuate that. Um, it also assists in the democratization of information because we are so much in control of the narrative, you know, and, and what we share and what we uh, perpetuate um, and how we put information out into the world. Um, but at the same time, and because of this, we are exposed to, you know, more information um, we can participate in more conversations, but with that um, comes the risk of um, falling prey to disinformation, you know, which is something you mentioned early on in the conversation. Um, and so, it, it, you know, while we are in charge of our own narratives, we are also equally in charge of filtering information or evaluating information. And it's it can be quite challenging to discern truth from, from fake news or from uh, information that has been manipulated. So, um, you know, given this and given how reliant we've become on finding information, uh, you know, acquiring data from social media um, and the influences um, on, in, on social media, whether they are commercial influences or whether they might be political or, you know, or, or public figures, um, what safeguards do you think should be in place? Um, and do you think that putting safeguards, um, uh, having safeguards would, you know, contravene or support the idea of democracy? Because, um, you know, with democracy, there's a freedom to express, but democracy works best if the information that um, is shared is accurate. And that is that is that's a, a crucial question, and it also refers back to what what you mentioned earlier in our conversation about being in a bubble, uh, because that's that one one of the effects is disinformation. The other effect that we are seeing increasingly is is everybody getting stuck in their own bubble, uh, and and you don't communicate with people in other bubbles or, or people outside uh, your bubble, and there is a real danger in uh, in, in in that, but. But, and, and then the, the problem with disinformation is, I mean, nobody wants disinformation, but what is disinformation? What is disinformation? For me, it might not be disinformation for the next person, it might be the other way, might be mm. the other way around. Is everything you disagree with disinformation or is it just something that you disagree with? Uh, 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 or even something that you find offensive, is that disinformation or is it just offensive? Uh, and who do we then want to be the gatekeeper of that? Mm. Do we think that Facebook should decide what is true and what is not true? Uh, or should it be some government? Or should it be uh, another agency? Or, or but, but then again, what is true for them, it may not be true for, mm. for me. Uh, so it is, it is really hard and you don't want to uh, not so to speak, you don't want to throw away the child with the bathwater, because you you want to to. No, I'd rather I'd rather have a world with a lot of information, including some disinformation, mm. 
mm. in a world where there is very little information and only information that has a stamp of approval from someone is uh, is allowed because that that is also not a free society. Mm. Um, so, so I think we gradually have to to adapt to this new situation. I think you already see mechanisms coming into place mm. that help us uh, control particularly the, the worst types of disinformation. Of course, there mm. are things that are objectively not, mm. uh, uh, not true or that are objectively speak, uh, hate speech. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and, and these are things that you, that, that, that you can control. We're beginning to do that. We're beginning to put procedures in place. They're very imperfect mm. at the moment, but, but we already see it happening because the situation as it was was simply un untenable. And also the, the big social media platforms uh, are beginning to, to take some responsibility for, for, for this. It doesn't go far enough, perhaps, mm. to see some of it. Uh, and, and, that, and, that is, and that is healthy. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, not so worried because we know, we, we understand what is going on. We, mm. we know that we are in, in a bubble. And I know that all the information I get is, is determined by an algorithm. Uh, that means that I only read the things I want to read. Mm. Uh, uh, and, if, and, and it is up to me to step outside that bubble. I, I can do that. It's not disallowed. It's, I can. I just have to make a little bit of an effort. Mm. Uh, and, and then, and then I, I can manage, but you need to have that consciousness uh, and you have to make that, that effort. It is more difficult than it used to be in the past. We knew that there were newspaper editors and TV uh, executives who acted as a gatekeeper mm. and clear where the responsibility was. And, and sometimes they were right, sometimes they were wrong, but it was, it was at least clear how it was. And you had a limited number of media outlets uh, and somewhere politically uh, affected in one direction and some in another, but, but you knew that, and that was easy. Mm. And that is no longer the case. It is, it is uh, more confusing. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and then we somehow have to get to, to, grips, to grips with that. But you see that slowly happening. Uh, there, there was a situation of incredible chaos, and I think we're moving to a slightly less chaotic situation. Mm. In the meantime, what we have to be careful about is that those who were never in favor of these freedoms anyway are now seeing this as a possibility to, to actually limit all these freedoms. Mm. So mm. We are against this information. That is why we will now control all the information. Because that's really not what we want. Mm. Uh, and I, I'd rather have, have some of the wrong things on the internet yeah. than to have only a very small amount of controlled information on the mm. internet, if I have to make a choice uh, uh, between two imperfect situations. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I tend to agree with you on that because, um, you know, there will be, there will be um, scenarios in which it's very clear what information is is right or is um, beneficial, um, and what and which what kind of what kinds of information um, are not so beneficial. But there are also uh, like many circumstances within which, in order to find um, or arrive at a truth, 
um, you need to evaluate different sources of information, different types of information, and you need to to actually go through information that might not be factually correct um, in order to to get to this assessment. You know, um, and so you know, recently um, YouTube started to remove videos that they deemed to be. Uh, uh, of an anti-vaccinate uh, nature. Um, and so, I mean, the question would then um, follow, where do you draw the line, you know, between what is um, what is useful information to have? It may not be um, the most accurate or it may not be um, in line with, you know, like some of the agendas of, of various governments. Um, but you know, would this would this um, set of information be useful for us um, to be exposed to in some way? Um, and then, where where do you draw the line? And and who is the watchdog that that determines whether you know a piece of information or a perspective is good for society or not? Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a really good and and very difficult example uh, indeed because the the. I'm, I'm, I'm quite fanatically pro-vaccination, uh, and I think non-vaxxers are, are a danger to, to society mm -hmm. really because, because they endanger not just themselves but also other people. Mm. But, but yeah, do you really want to silence them? Is it, is mm. it worth that much? Uh, because somewhere there is, of course, a grey line. There are, there are the extreme examples where it is quite clear that you do not want to allow that. But, mm. but perhaps, but 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 there is a grey area as well. There are people who, who use it as a, as a, maybe as something comical or mm. uh, satirical, or uh, who want to present different arguments. Or mm. you know, there are there is this this big grey area, and once you start, once you have to deal with that, it becomes really difficult. To decide what should be allowed and and what not, and it is very much a matter of personal opinion then, mm. rather than of, of something being objectively uh, uh, true or or not. And also things change, and our, our knowledge changes. Mm. Mm. Things that we that today we think are fine, maybe tomorrow we discover are not fine. Uh, uh, and uh, so these, these these things these things happen. So you have to be really careful in what you what you disallow. Like I know mm. as long as you stay at, at this far end of the spectrum, yeah, maybe that's okay. Uh, but 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 once you start moving into a more general area, it becomes really hard. And where do you draw the line? Yeah, I, and I, you I, know, I don't, I don't know where you draw the line. Uh, uh, it's, it's impossible to draw a line. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, even particularly in even in the area of science, which you know, many people look at science and say, you know, it's it's pretty much black or white, right? But at the same time, that's not always the case because with you know scientific discoveries, um, you know, um, certain um, premises um, of the past 
um, you know, will change. You know, even in, for example, like red wine, is it good for you? You know, that's gone through so many different, like, you know, um, stages of research. First it was bad, then it was good, then it was somewhat good. Then now it's like any kind of alcohol you ingest is bad for you straight away. You know, there's no such, no such thing as drinking in moderation. So even in the scientific, um, you know, realm, there are these changes that happen, you know, with new research, with, um, um, you know, obviously also depending on who's funding the research. Um, <laughs> so yeah. it's um, it's an area where it's going to be really difficult to say this, this is the right information to be exposed to and, you know, this is wrong. So, you know, and especially for, for YouTube to be stepping in and, and you know, becoming the arbiter of that, um, I, find, I find that a little bit problematic. Um, you know, but I do understand where, you know, a public where public health is is um, at risk or, or something that we should be concerned about. Maybe the, you know, the um, uh, the boundaries have to be a little bit more, um, um, have to be stronger, perhaps. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then we look at um, another realm where social media operates, you know, politically as well. Um, what do you think about you know, say Twitter or Facebook kicking Donald Trump off the platform. You know, is 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 that good or bad, or does it depend on the individual? But in terms of the premise of, of you know, a a tech platform or social media provider being able to do that, is that something that fundamentally contradicts uh, the notion of democracy, or or is Donald Trump bad for democracy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, then again, it's a, it, 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 it's a difficult question. I was very happy when they did at the time, but uh, but that was more for I suppose for for political reasons. Mm. And and what do you do? What do you do with those people who abuse your tolerance? Mm. That's always a big big question here and that I think mm. that was the question with, with Donald Trump who was clearly saying untruths uh, or, or, or lies if you like uh, uh, which a lot of people then believed because they came from mm. the United States so so how can it be totally untrue uh, and uh, uh, you know from one line of thought is that the man is simply office workers and, and you, you cannot allow that to, to determine what is in a, in a news cycle. Mm. Uh, uh, but should that then stay on forever uh, is, is a question, or was that something that you had to do maybe just during during the campaign? Because it really went one, no, three, four, five steps too far mm. uh, on what he was doing. But you have to allow for political debate. Uh, and that includes includes things that, that you disagree about uh, uh, and of course, when you disagree about something, it's easy to say that the other person is lying because he has a different mm. opinion. He has a different opinion. Uh, but but not everything that you disagree with is a lie. Mm, yeah. So you you have to be you have to be really careful, and only in very very exceptional circumstances can you take such a step. And I suppose at the time that the step was taken. Uh, it was right because it was actually beginning to undermine democracy, and we saw mm. that that actually nearly succeeded with the assault on the Capitol mm. uh, in, in Washington. 
which would have had you know, disastrous consequences, not just for the United States, but for democracy uh, wherever. Mm -hmm. So, so, so there, there, there was a moment of, of, of real danger and the companies had to step in. But perhaps at some point you then have to say, okay, that was then, and, and now you have to move on. Uh, from from where that from where that was because Trump even if he isn't on social media still had a big following. Mm, uh, yeah. And, and I don't like that, <laughs> uh, but you know, but it, it is what it is. Uh, uh, so we, we have to deal with that in another way. Uh, mm. To convince people that that we or the people who disagree with him are not able to convince. That's that's also our problem. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. cannot ban those who you disagree with. Mm. That does not solve. That does not actually solve the problem. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm 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 with you there. You have to be extremely careful. Uh, mm. with that. Uh, and I'm very pleased that what happened was that it focused on Trump. Mm. And and. Uh, and it was not some, some kind of blanket ban uh, yeah. on, on a lot of things, because that is what could happen in an authoritarian state, for example. Mm. You see that happening in, 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 in some countries. Uh, mm. and that, then, that is really not what we want. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially now where, um, you know, because of, of um, varying degrees of lockdown across the world or, you know, a change in lifestyle, you know, and our use of social media has become a lot more prevalent or predominant. Um, but, you know, because of the nature of the landscape, you know, we, and you, you alluded to this earlier as well, you know, we find ourselves in echo chambers. Um, the algorithm serves us articles or posts that um, would be in line with our beliefs. And, you know, the more we interact with those posts, the more we see them and we don't look beyond that bubble. Um, and, you know, I'm, Sometimes I wonder what, what, you know, obviously for the intellectually curious person, it would be, you know, second nature to, to get out of that bubble and to explore different opinions, to engage with people who have uh, differing opinions or perspectives. But that's not something that is, um, that comes naturally to, to most people because, you know, it's comfortable being in a bubble. And um, it becomes a little bit disconcerting to step beyond that and, you know, to engage with people that don't agree with you, you know, um, you know that, they know that, um, you know, and, but that's where learning um, happens, right, in, in that, this, in that place of discomfort. Um, but it's difficult to get there because we're so used to being in, in a little cocoon. Um, that's, um, it's actually enhanced or augmented by um, social media and the way, you know, we are fed information. So, you know, what do you think, you know, would be, um, what do you think we can do as a society um, to push ourselves beyond that comfort zone, whether it's on social media or whether it's, um, you know, in, in, in real life interactions, but particularly so, um, for, so for social media? All these things are easier said, said than done. Uh, but I suppose the steps we have to take is, is to consciously step outside of our bubbles, outside of our echo chambers, mm. uh, and, and make cross links. Because I think in all these 
so some people feel very, very happy in the echo chamber and they don't want to leave. It's fine, mm. fine with them. Uh, uh, but I think there are also quite a few people who are not satisfied with it. Mm. Uh, and 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 you 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 want to get outside and you want to interact with other people too. Um, mm. So you what 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 you, what you need is for a substantial amount of people to do that maybe quite consciously mm. uh, and and join up on on cross platforms or. or mm. So something like that. I think that is the direction you have to you have to go into, mm. um, uh, and that will really start as a as a small thing. Uh, but I but I could imagine that being quite attractive uh, for, for for other people too. Mm. Of course, you need to have time for that and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and energy uh, and and so on. Um, but 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 you need to start with the people of goodwill who are sort of on the edges of those of those bubbles anyway mm. uh, for, for them to to to, to interact uh, and and then gradually others will follow and some people will never follow at all mm. well that is that is what it is uh, and that has 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 always been the case uh, mm. that's, that's not new uh, but now it becomes all quite in an, an exclusive situation whereby you're in one bubble and in nothing else, mm. uh, and that's that's not healthy and that's uncomfortable and uh, uh, and at some point it's also boring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody sits, sits together and disagrees that everybody else is bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit sad. Mm. You know, and yeah, and um. I think the the people that are quite used to reaching out and going beyond their comfort zone um, tend to be activists. Um, a lot of them, of course, operate within their own echo chambers, but um, many of them at the same time also have a strong impetus to get out there to spread the good word of what they believe in. And um, so these are, I think these are, um, uh, uh, um, actors of change that you know can perpetuate the kind of um, dynamic that you're talking about and um you know you've had um and still have a very illustrious career in, in politics public service and um, cause advocacy um you know within your the organizations that you were working in um what were some of the challenges you faced um, in engaging stakeholders um you know and constituents particularly those that may not have agreed with the cause um, and, and how did you communicate your message? Um, and also has, you know, like has uh, the digitalization of communications affected that um, the way you do things and the way you reach out and communicate your message? Yes, it has affected that big time. Mm. Uh, uh, because it, it, suddenly you, you have so many more options uh, and, and ways of, of communicating and being more effective in your communication. Um, uh, it has also affected it, of course, in a more negative way because uh, all the communication you do you do online and electronically means that you know you, we we've stopped uh, printing brochures. Mm. <laughs> we don't we don't print anything anymore, and and there are people who actually prefer to have something in print rather than to to look at it on a on a, on a screen. It is it is a different kind of 
of consumption of information, if it's mm. on the screen or if it's or if it's in. And so we're also losing something, and I think we're beginning to see a trend of of trying to recoup what we've lost. Mm. Uh, uh, so we don't see a wholesale change to everything being electronic. I think we're also beginning to recognize uh, that, that, that that we've lost something in the process, and you have to regain that. And you cannot you cannot just rely on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram mm. Mm. Which to reach out to people. There are there, there are other ways that you need to use if you really want to uh, want to find people. Mm. Uh, so that's 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 the one thing. The other thing we've we've discovered is um, as a problem, <laughs> but we I don't think we found a solution yet. Is is how do you stay uh, alive in a situation where there is too much information? Mm. There is so much information that you cannot digest it anymore. Mm. So what do you choose to, to consume or when you produce information, how do you produce it in such a way that amongst this, this avalanche, this tsunami of, of information, how does your information stand out? Mm. Um, uh, and that's, that's, that's also difficult. Is, is the answer you have to produce more and more and more or is the answer maybe less but, but in a very specific way or whatever. We're in the process of discovering that. And mm. to the outside world, but even within an organization, uh, we have too much information. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you, you you have it on all on all levels, uh, and and we, we're we're having to come to grips with that, and uh, we haven't succeeded uh, so mm. far. Uh, mm. So it's it's a thing that that is that is underway. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are some 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 of the of the challenges we. We, we have and you know, as we said at the start we're only beginning to, to see some some of these things as, as as problems where at the beginning everything looked marvelous yeah. uh, and now we're beginning to see the downsides of it uh, but then we should not forget about the aspects that are actually marvelous about it mm, mm. Uh, so how do you how do you keep the good and get rid of the bad uh, uh, and that's sometimes also a matter of opinion. What I think is good, someone else can do bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's it's not it's not straightforward uh, uh, at all. Uh, but the one thing we know for sure it is that this this train will go on. Uh, yeah. The the technology will will continue to change and to improve and to offer new possibilities. Uh, it's not as if we can now stand still and look at the situation for a couple of months and say, so how do we deal with it? No, because then you open your eyes after a few months and there will be totally new things mm. uh, uh, that nobody had imagined beforehand. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get used to TikTok myself at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it, it changes all the time. Uh, uh, you know, first we thought a message cannot be longer than three minutes, and now a message, political message, cannot be longer than one minute. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. How do we how do we do that? It's mm. uh, uh, and still makes sense. Mm. Uh, it's a real challenge. Yeah, and you know, in in the area of politics as well, like you mentioned. Um, you know, information now, like um, marketing initiatives, are, are beginning to to quite 
um, closely mirror what we see in the commercial world. Um, you know, short, snappy, um, you know, videos, um, some things that are engaging. Um, and also, you know, especially now, because, you know, we've been forced to uh, to take a lot of our activities online. Um, and you see a lot of, um, you know, uh, physical canvassing become online can canvassing. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a change in, 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 the, in the way things are done. And it's not just about medium, it's about the impact to, um, you know, constituents, uh, the connection between the politician and, and his or her constituents. Um, you know, what do you believe are the implications of, of this change, uh, you know, in the political landscape? And, you know, do you think that this will have any impact on the democratic process um, or on democracy itself? Yeah, we see, we see it having an impact now in that social media, um, certainly in the last maybe three, four years, uh, have had an, an impact uh, that that has been uh, has been amazing. Of course, it's, it started in some ways with Duterte's election in the Philippines, but then uh, then we saw it with the whole Brexit debate in the United Kingdom, uh, uh, the election of Trump, uh, several other elections after that, uh, where where it has had a major a major impact. Mm. Um, and you know and things like like uh, trolling uh, have, have become an item in, in political debate. What was quite refreshing is that we've just had elections here in Germany, mm. and there was very very little of that. Um, uh, we, 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 yeah, we really didn't see much uh, disinformation. There were some very clumsy attempts at it, but but it didn't work at all. <laughs> uh, and it was on the whole quite simply quite a serious. The debate. So in that sense, it was a little bit boring, uh, but it was also quite refreshing uh, to to see to see that happening. Uh, uh, and maybe as a result, also you know, it was the political center that that gained in that in that election. Mm. It has something uh, to do with that because what you see on social media is that a relatively small amount of people set the tone, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it can be can become very aggressive. Uh, and and unpleasant uh, uh, political debates in, in in social on social media, mm. uh, and that is that is not how it how I think it should be. That's not how we how we get get things forward. Mm. Uh, and you think it is about a lot of people because there are of course many many thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands who consume the information, uh, but it's a small amount of people who actually contribute to it uh, mm. uh, and, and, and and they have different motives uh, of, 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 of doing so. You see it in politics, uh, but you also see it on other levels. I don't know, uh, sports teams also have their online platforms and some of the communi communications there are absolutely dreadful and some of them are then actually quite good as well. So, so, so we're beginning to, to take more control of this. Uh, and that, that then strengthens my belief in humanity. Uh, mm. at, at the end of the day, 
you know, we don't, we don't, we don't want the bad things of it. We don't want the aggression. We don't want the disinformation. We don't. Mm. Uh, uh, we, we want a serious, positive, forward-looking debates, uh, whether it's about politics or about other things. Uh, and, and and at the end of the day, only people themselves can 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 do this. So let's see how that how that develops. Uh, we, we will see it in the in the. In the Debates between the anti-vaxxers and everybody else. <laughs> mm. um, you know, how, how is that? How is that going to develop? Are we, are we going to manage to channel that uh, mm. in some constru constructive way or other? Uh, I suppose that that is what will happen uh, uh, after an unpleasant start as well. Uh, mm. There, uh, and then. Uh, and then, and then, then we will, then we will see how it how it goes. But it, it has very important impact. I think is now without without doubt. There was a while that, that we didn't know that that was what that, that was what was going to happen. But we thought that social media were maybe sort of a side, a side issue in, in, in election campaigning or in, in commercial uh, uh, communications. Uh, but that's no longer the case. It, it has become major. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, we've touched upon um, the individual society, um, the tools, social media and the various tech platforms. We've gone into organizational, uh, the organizational um, uh, center for, for communications. And, you know, we've touched a little bit on politics as well. Um, you know, so now wrapping up, um, you know, we understand that, you know, we communicate to express ourselves, to share, share ideas and stories, to connect to others for safety, to experience life, to be recognized, to push for change, um, and essentially to give our lives meaning. Um, for you, what does communication mean to you? And, and what does reaching out beyond the bubble mean? Um, mean for you as well um like so just kind of share a little bit of um, a personal viewpoint on, on what these things um like what they mean to you i, I think communication is is, is is a wonderful thing and the broader it is the better it is because the more opinions you combine the better decisions you take mm. Uh, I, I do not so much believe in that there are exceptions, of course, but, but on the whole, I do not believe in one person at the top having all the right ideas and then everybody else is having to carry them out. You get better mm. ideas and you talk about them, uh, and it is no longer just the idea of one, of one person. So, you, you, and then you, that means you need to communicate, you need to communicate effectively and openly, uh, and people need to feel that, that they are. That their contribution is is, is wanted. Mm. It's just allowed to give your your view. It is actually necessary. Uh, everybody gives their view. So communication is is incredibly important, and we can use all these new technologies uh, for that. I I have pinned my hopes on the younger generations who understand all these processes much better than everybody else who need them more, who have suffered disproportionately under the under the pandemic. Mm. Um, uh, and have, had to, have felt all the ill effects even, even more than, than many others. Um, 
but but who, who can shape society more effectively also now with with all these these new means at, at their disposal mm. uh, and what you see going on amongst younger generations and the debates that are taking place there fills me fills me with a lot of with a lot of hope because because you, you hear new things uh, generally speaking positive things forward-looking things um and uh, and i think that's that's a tremendous uh, development all right thank you so much um, for sharing your your insights and your in your thoughts with us um yeah that's that's it <laughs> it was, was, was really fun yeah yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah. so in this chat we discussed um, communication in the, um, the era of the pandemic, and we talked about um, the individual organizations, society, politics, as well as what um, reaching out beyond our bubble um, means in various situations. So it was a really interesting chat that we had with um, Jules, and um, you know we hope that you took something away from this uh, discussion, and we hope that you enjoyed the conversation. So that's it for today. Again, this podcast episode is organized by Cald Youth with the support of the Friedrich Norman Foundation. See you again on our next episode. <laughs>